I am fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time out. Just so you know here, I am flying solo today. My partner, uh, Kenton, is actually away with the military, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Or fortunately for our country, depending on how you look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Broadcasting in Black and White. I am Joe Masiri. I will be your solo host for this year's show. As you heard, Kenton Young is off protecting our country. We thank him and all of our veterans for their service. <sighs> I'm a little tired tonight, but that's okay because our guest, Lizzie Okoro, well, she's got enough energy for about five or six people, and her laugh is infectious. I guess uh, we could say it's like the plague, but that's not flattering or what I'm going for. Infectious. We'll just leave it at that. Lizzie is the founder of Bunch Magazine. For those of you who may not have heard of Bunch Magazine yet, it is a magazine for the creative class out there. And if you haven't heard of it and consider yourself in the creative class, well, then I think you are in for a huge treat here because it definitely helps people find their own sense of community in a field that isn't always easy to find that sense of community. And I think that's why Lizzie is having so much success. One cool thing about what Lizzie is doing here is while many magazines are flipping the script and going digital, Lizzie actually started with a digital background in blogging and then created a physical magazine to give her brand some credibility and since then, Bunch has taken off. Now, it hasn't always been high times. Lizzie talks about the dark days in this podcast and how it was darkest before the dawn. A dawn which included a nice grant from Squarespace and Urban Outfitters. And she talks about how both companies lied to her before she was awarded that grant. But Lizzie is a bi-coastal babe. I hope she's not offended by that term. She currently lives in L.A., but credits her time in New York with the success and launch of Bunch Magazine. So without any further ado, I hope you enjoy our conversation with Lizzie Okoru. Thanks for listening. I got to thank Melissa for connecting us here. But uh, tell, tell me a little bit about Lizzie, who you are, and, and how you got to start Bunch Magazine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say shout out to Melissa. She's great. <laughs> For the introduction. Oh, my gosh, she's amazing. She's so good. Um, but, yeah, my name is Lizzie Okoro. I have a whole lot of O's in there. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I'm actually from Los Angeles originally, and that's where I currently live. But um, I went to graduate school in New York totally on a different path. Like I was studying international affairs at the new school university. And, um, I, I just, I thought that I was going to go into education. Um, my whole goal was to eventually open up a school, a network of schools with an international focus. And so I was in New York, I was, you know, in grad school, I was doing that whole thing. And I started blogging as a creative outlet. I've always written I've always done like freelance journalism and um, writing for my school newspapers and magazines and things like that. But it was always a creative outlet. I never really thought like, oh, this is a serious career for myself. And just by virtue of living in New York, 
you know, you're always meeting people, you're meeting these awesome, interesting creatives. I was, I don't know if you know anything about the new school, but we, we share our facilities. The Parsons is a part of it, right. which is the, yeah, the fashion and design school. Yep. So we shared our facilities and, you know, I'm seeing all these interesting, <laughs> crazy, creative, artsy students. There are and a I, couple you know, of those over here in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, exactly. Yes. So it's like I'm, you know, engaging with them and, like, learning about what their future career plans are. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I've never even thought about these types of jobs. Um, and just long story short is I just was so inspired. I was meeting people through my blog and it's like, why am I not focusing on both of these things, both my own writing, the fact that I've always wanted to write. Um, I've always wanted my own magazine. And also the fact that there are these really interesting creatives who growing up my entire life, whether it was coming from like my family or just like, you know, observing like who are the most successful people in society I never thought that being a creative you could really be successful um I always was thinking like hey you're going to be the starving artist (laughs) like like literally like starving like oh you want to be a dancer like look on the subway platform those are the people dancing like that's where dancers end up you know but then I'm meeting but then I'm also meeting these people and I'm like they're the antithesis of that they're they're actually very smart business people who have been able to leverage their passion with their profession and I wanted to tell that story because I felt like there were more people there are people like me who are completely ignorant um and there were people like me who were also wanting to be creative but scared to go to do it and there were also people who weren't scared who were creative creatives, but they still needed inspiration. They still needed like resources to understand how to actually create the careers that they wanted from themselves. And I knew that I wanted it to be in this magazine form. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to start this magazine. Wow. And I'm going to call it Bunch. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to call it Bunch. All right, we'll get to the name because I, I had a couple of questions about how that oh, name yeah. came up. But So when this is going through your mind here, you're in school. I read that you were also working at the time. Yeah. Were you working full-time, part-time? I was working full-time at a charter school. So you were working full-time at a charter school in Harlem. You were going to school Mm -hmm. part-time or full-time? I was going to school full-time, but the the graduate degree program was geared towards working professionals. So I only needed to take like two classes, like a night. And and then you're blogging in, in your spare time. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So, I mean, was this something, when you were blogging, what was that like to you? I mean, did you treat that like a job? Was it just something that you did for entertainment, the way some people watch movies? How did you look (laughs) at that then? Yeah. So, when I was blogging, um, so I guess, you know, my whole entire timeline was I entered school in 2009, and I wasn't working at all in 2009. So, I was just going to graduate school, and I had a ton of free time because, again, the program was designed for working professionals. So, and I wasn't a working <laughs> professional. Right. So, I just had like a shitload of time to do whatever. And that's why I was like, oh, I want to create, I have this creative outlet. And my blog was like, Something along the lines of like Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop. If you've ever read that, I don't know why you would. You're a grown Goop? man. But I, I haven't. Goop, no, no, I haven't read. You know, Goop. you're like you're you're a grown man. You would never read Goop, and it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Listen, so that term that term grown man also is like something <laughs> I still consider myself a, a, a young man, if nothing else. I tried. Maybe I'm just holding on to that. I'm about to turn thirty here in a couple of weeks, oh, yeah. so I'm maybe just grasping for my twenties as much as I can. 
Oh, you should. You should. Like, hold on. (laughs) I don't have nails, but if I did, the imprints would be there. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, just long story short is that that particular, uh, my blog was along the lines of that. It was like a lifestyle blog where I'm like sharing recipes and like my favorite clothing. Like, you know, it wasn't anything too, too intense, but I loved blogging. It was amazing. Like it just, it, it gave me everything that I needed in terms of being able to let out this creativity and really connect with other people as well. Um, you know, people started, it, I, I, I experienced some mild success. I wasn't like, you know, the super popular blog, but, um, I had people that you know, would reach out to me and sending me free things and, you know, nice. they would connect with me. Yeah, it was nice. It was very nice. I really much enjoyed that. And uh, I very much enjoyed connecting and also being able to express myself through the written word. And, you know, I started involving some video and things like that. So it was tons of fun. I loved blogging. But I knew that I wanted, like more than just a blog so now did you have any tech skills in the background here or is this you decided to go and get a master's in google and uh, (laughs) a phd in bing i don't know something like that oh my god i'm gonna steal that i'm so stealing that i've never heard anyone say a master's in google yes i think sometimes with what we pay for education with all of the information (laughs) that's available here i say the same way my goal someday is to try and figure out how we can get people binging on education the same way Uh i binge on house of cards or it doesn't have to be education because (laughs) education is such like oh that's heavy i mean but something you're interested in learning about it and then improving on it Exactly. Exactly that. That's so funny. Yes, I completely self-taught. Like I taught myself um, Photoshop through YouTube tutorials and Google, you know, Googling other Adobe tutorials. Um, At that time, I was using Squarespace. I still use Squarespace now, but I was using Squarespace like a totally, total like early adopter with that. Um, So, you know, it's pretty user-friendly. I taught myself how to do a little bit of coding as well. So yeah, I built my, my platform on Squarespace and it didn't really need much, you know, you don't need too many skills to do that. So you hear that people, you can go, just start Googling, <laughs> Just start. get addicted to it, go down that yeah. rabbit hole and wake up in the morning with bloodshot eyes and a new website <laughs> and a new career path. Exactly. Like seriously, it was that easy. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. No, that, that that's awesome. All right. So you say you're making these connections now while you're doing the blog, mm-hmm. but was there a moment that you remember where you said, okay, I'm going to take this from internet hobby, maybe a little bit more than that to business? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a great question. Yes. I love telling this story actually. Okay, um, good. Cause I didn't, I didn't yeah. come across it when I was doing some research. No, I know. It's, I, it's very, it's very rare that anyone even asked me that question. So yeah. Um, Yes, there was an exact moment when I was like done, um, and that moment came when a fi- like family friends from LA came to visit me in New York, and we were hanging out for the day. And they were like, "Well, we're going to stop by and see another friend if you don't mind." So we stopped by this other friend, and I really need to look this woman up because I cannot remember her name to save my life. Um, but she is an art restorer. And we, she has this beautiful, beautiful studio, like on the water, um, like LES or Chelsea, like Chelsea area and like, I think like 12th Avenue, you know, like edge of New York. And we go in and she has like original Jackson Pollocks and Keith Herrings and like all, yeah, it was like Basquiat's, like all of the, like millions of dollars worth of art. And I, I'm like, 
who is this chick? Like, and what's, <laughs> and like literally, and I was like, what, what the hell is an art restore? I remember saying those words to her and she explained it to me and it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, it's someone who is a trained artist, like she's a fine artist, uh, but if there are these pieces that of art that are either damaged or they're fading or maybe there's been like a natural disaster and someone's artwork has kind of been destroyed, she restores it to its original condition. So, and she was like the number one art restorer in the world. So all of these like super wealthy people who have all of these beautiful works of art who obviously would not want their 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 collector's items to be depreciated in value would go to her and she would sit, literally sit there and like repaint these like key pairings. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, she had like, you know, like Bravo had pitched her, like they wanted her to have a reality show and she was like, she turned them down. Like she was just, and she's like a multimillionaire as well. Wow. And I just thought, wow, you're, the thing is, it's like, you're not, you're not necessarily like this anomaly. Like I was meeting people like her all the time. Maybe they weren't millionaires, but there are people who had somehow figured out how to turn the creative or artistic passion and hers in her case is quite literally art um, into a business. And I just, I knew right then and there that I wanted to, I wanted to tell that story. I was like, I want this thing to kind of be like entrepreneur magazine, but specifically talking to creatives because when I did the research, like really there was no one talking about creatives. Creative wasn't this buzzword that it is now. Um, And I knew that I always wanted a magazine. I have like a weird obsession with print magazines anyway and I was like hey this makes sense too like I love I love blogging I love the internet I think it's great and I have nothing but positive things to say about the digital world um but I also knew that I you know if I just like put it there's a lot of noise on the internet and if I just put it on the internet like people wouldn't react to it in the same way as if I printed it if I printed it then it's like it's real, you know, it's legit, it's legitimate. And people are like, Oh, you're spending money to like put this into onto paper. We should pay attention to why (laughs) and who, like, who are you, who's this audience? that you're speaking to. All right. I want to stop you there because obviously this was going to come up at some point, but let's just jump right into it here. Printing. I mean, a physical copy of a magazine in people's hands where pages are still being turned. I (laughs) love it. Okay. I am somebody who I don't, when it comes to magazines, I, I try going with my iPad and subscribing, but there's something about looking forward to getting that in the mail each month or week, or however often the periodical comes out, but getting yeah. <laughs> that and, and, and turning the pages and, and having something to read it and, and take with you that I just haven't been able to find the same feeling, the same information on mm-hmm. on on a, a tablet, I guess, because that's really where I feel like all of the magazines were trying to go yeah. uh, uh, more so, and, and you know, even online as well. But there's something about... I still, I think, have the attention span to read an article. And I think that people out there do. Obviously they do because you're you're, you're here a burgeoning success. This is fantastic. (laughs) I mean, you've been, people are reading your magazine. I've been reading the reviews. And and this is fantastic that people actually have that attention span. The one caveat I put in there is 
they have an attention span for good content and they mm-hmm. don't want to waste their time. And there's so much junk out there that yeah. it's like, well, if I'm going to invest my time in reading something, it better be good or watching something for that matter, whether it's more than a few minutes. So was that right. scary for you? Because you are talking about entrepreneurs and artists coming together for this creative bunch, because I think the internet and technology has kind of allowed the starving, formerly starving artists to hide <laughs> some of that corporate side, yet still be profitable. Yeah, yeah. Without the need of yeah. a suit, <laughs> we'll right. call it. <laughs> so, so yeah, was that was that tough to make that decision to say it's going to go print or or was it print first and then web second because you started this as a blog and and, and that legitimacy was something that you strive for? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was print first and then digital second. Um, so my first blog like had nothing to do with Bunch Magazine. It was really like a personal like diary. And like this was just like, okay, this is not about me at all. Um, and I honestly, and I hate when I'm talking to other entrepreneurs and I ask them their story and they just, and I'm like, how did you do it? And they're just kind of like, I don't know. I just woke up one day and did it, <laughs> you oh, know, my but like, the, yeah, but, and I could, I, I, I could tell you my, like how I actually did it later, but I didn't really think about it. Honestly, I, I, I just didn't, I didn't really think too much about the medium. I just was like, I want a magazine. I want a print magazine. The end. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, I, I see the beginning. I see the end. Yeah, I have I, no idea what's in yeah. the middle here of I this sandwich. The middle. Yeah. I, that's, ex- oh my God. Like, that's exactly how I felt. It was just like, I want a print magazine. Like, I know that that's what's going to legitimize me. That's what's going to legitimize the, the people that we're reaching out to the, you know, like that's, I just didn't feel like if I reached out to people to appear on my blog, you know, that they would really care or a blog or a digital platform. It just felt like the print medium made the most sense. And at that time, um, so back, it was back in 2011 that I really started to think about, um, starting Bunch Magazine. And at that time, like Kinfolk had just come out. And I don't know if you're familiar with Kinfolk Magazine or, you know, if everyone is. You but know, actually, I, I've heard of it, but I haven't read yeah. uh, anything from it. Yeah, it's a great magazine. Um, but it had, like, just come out, and it was, like, $24 for, for the magazine. Wow. And it sold out immediately. Like, it just it was, like, a runaway success. And, I, and that's what also gave me the courage to go that route because everybody was talking about the internet and how print was dead or print's dead and people still say that um but i was like yeah but look at this this one particular item like it's not only is it a print magazine but it's like four times as much as a normal magazine (laughs) and and it just sold out like there's something happening there's an upward trend and i'm gonna get on this boat before it's too late so, yeah, I just didn't even think about it. I was like, print magazine, done. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, Kinfolk, you mentioned any other magazines that you look to, either that you just like to read for yourself or that you used mm-hmm. as inspiration for a bunch? Um, definitely Entrepreneur and Fast Company. Like, I'm a huge, like, business nerd. Um like for me, my celebrity rock stars. Don't are, let that out, though. The creatives might rebel against you <laughs> if you tell them that. I know, I know, right? Um, I know, I'm, but I love it. Like I love like Sir Richard Branson. Who doesn't? Yes. I mean, it's almost like 
cliche at this point, but like I and I, and I get mad because I I've loved him forever. Like literally for like the past 15 20 years of my life I've been talking about this man. Like it seems like all of a sudden everyone is too. So I'm just I'm a little bit bitter if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I I liked him first. That's so that was yeah. cool. Now it's not cool. <laughs> Yogi Berry cool. used to say that place is so popular nobody goes there anymore. Right, so exactly. yeah, he's so yeah. popular. He's he's yes, he's not popular anymore. <laughs> He's like not even popular. I like Taylor. Yeah. I, I like Taylor when she was country. All right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm such a hater, but yeah, just that, like those magazines in particular, and Elle magazine actually. I just those are my top three. Like I'll always have a subscription, in no matter what. I'm always getting Fast Company, Entrepreneur, and Elle. There's other magazines. I mean, I'm a magazine junkie. Like I, I every single thing that's on the stands. But those are my top three that I will forever and ever have. Um, will hold a special place in my heart. And those are the magazines that I studied, you know, when starting Bunch. Like, I literally would go and sit at Barnes & Noble, and I still do, and, like, read read them cover to cover and, like, take notes on what they were doing and then go home and, like, tweak Bunch. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you have a beautiful eye for design from the website and and the layout of the magazine. Now, I've only gotten the uh, digital subscription to the magazine. Uh, We will be subscribing here. So uh, this is is not a plug for anybody but ourselves because I think it's (laughs) really interesting here. And I think we we can benefit a lot from uh, some of the content in here. But your eye for design is gorgeous. Do you do all of that yourself or do you have somebody helping you with that? Oh, God, no, 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 no. Yeah, thank you. I'm one of those people who I – I know what I like when I see it, but I probably could not actually design it (laughs) myself. You know, I'm like such a consumer and not a producer in that way. Um, No, the design is actually done by my creative director, um, Asia David, and she is fantastic. And, um, available for hire. (laughs) (laughs) How did you guys get matched up together? Did you know her before it? No. So actually, so when I first started the magazine, I had reached out to two friends in California and one of them like held down West Coast operations while I was living in New York. And the other one just kind of stepped in and was like, hey, I would love to design for the magazine. Um, they both went on and did other things like over the years, like after maybe the two years, they both just were like, OK, well, we're ready to kind of move on and do other stuff. And um, Asia had actually interned with us. And when those other two friends left I was like Asia (laughs) you know like like, and she was like you know will you come will you step up and like help me design and we she actually like helped me with the whole rebrand so like how the website and the magazine look now it did not look that way at all in the beginning we actually struggled quite a bit for the first two and a half years that the magazine existed like really when you say struggle what do you mean uh-huh. Like it just wasn't selling, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, friends and family, my, you know, they bought <laughs> you know, consistently, right. but, and you know, people here and there, but we were getting rejected from bookstores and the way that the magazine business really works is you need to be handled by like a bigger distributor. Um, and you have to apply to be, uh, accepted into this into this distribution network and so we kept getting rejected like over and over with no feedback as to why we were getting rejected just like do better you know come back to us in like six weeks Uh, (laughs) and how many Um, how many were you printing at at that time uh, a thousand okay yeah we were printing a thousand and so uh Asia stepped in and she went to school for design so she just really like 
but she speaks design language and she was like, you know, things need to be laid out on the grid and, you know, you need your font needs to look like this. And this, this is why your, your current font is not pleasing to the eye. And it was just so eye opening because, you know, most people who have businesses figure it out at some point, but I, you know, I didn't know how important crucial design is. Like, you know, when you, when you try to lowball your designer and say, like, I just want something, you know, give me a logo for like $15 (laughs) because I don't get like, yeah, yeah, you get a $15 logo, (laughs) you know, like I, I, I'm a huge advocate now for like paying for good design. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that with your first two friends who, who jumped on board here starting up, because I think it's something that we run into all the time. I mean, there are people, and especially in the entrepreneur and startup community, there are Mm -hmm. so many people that you want to work with and, and, you know, making it worth their time is, is something that I think is sometimes difficult because you're managing yeah. a tight budget um, a lot right. of times. So those first two friends who came out there, was this a partnership? Mm-hmm. How did that work with you? Were you paying them? What, what was that arrangement? So one of them was my actual business partner. And then the other one, she was honestly volunteering her time. Wow. Like, and it was, which was amazing. Which and is those why I saints of mad. the world, <laughs> we are all thankful for those saints of the world <laughs> oh, uh, yes. who oh. can see the passion and vision in, in others yes. out there and, and support that passion and vision. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so grateful to both of them. Like I was just like, this is just a crazy idea. Are you guys down to like try it out? And they both were like, I, I was just so lucky. I was very lucky. And I think that, no, I think I had tried to do things in the past, like start other businesses in the past. And oh, so the, wait, this um, wasn't your first venture? No, actually, it was not my first my first venture. Okay, um, what well, was? <laughs> so I know my first venture right out of college is I tried to start like a clothing boutique, like an actual brick and mortar um, clothing store. And and when it, when yeah. when was this? And where did you go to school, undergrad? I went to UC Berkeley. Okay, for undergrad, um, I. So, but I had moved right back home to LA. Arrested his college was over, and that was in 2006. So, um, so yeah. So I graduated then, and I started trying to do this like clothing store. I had, um, yeah, I tried to start this clothing store, and it was just too overwhelming to do by myself. And so I kind of just like let that dream fizzle. It was too expensive um, at that point. Like you know online shopping was really becoming a really huge thing and right. it just couldn't really compete and it didn't make a lot of sense. Um, so then I tried to start something like a website with another friend and that fizzled out because neither of us really had the skill set to, right. to do it. Like we just really didn't, you know, but I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Like I was always, you know, you hear about like kids who have their lemonade stand and yep. um, who are always hustling, like trying to sell something like that was always me my whole entire life. My dad is an entrepreneur. So I've just grown up like knowing that at the end of the day, I was going to have my own business. Like that was the end goal, no matter what. Did you have um, a business when you were younger? I did. What I was, was, it? I was like writing business plans. It was like a pyramid scheme. When <laughs> I <actually> think about <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it you were like, a young Bernie Madoff. I, I was. It was a pyramid scheme, and I actually almost got suspended for it. Oh, uh, wow. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. My very first business, I don't even know what it was. It was like trading cards, pogs, pogs. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you remember Of course. This? I had, I yeah. mean, come on. I had a great collection of slammers. Did you? Didn't you? Slammers, exactly. They, oh, my God. Yes. 
Thank you for remembering this. So, but I don't know what I was trying to do exactly with them. I was just trying to, I think, trying to get my friends to trade them or sell pogs or something like that. And I had like people working underneath me, and I got a cut of whatever it was oh, that they were nice. able to sell. Yeah. So, so you didn't even have to work. You were the boss so of this. <laughs> I was the boss. Yeah, I was like the head of the mafia. The, head oh, of the, mob. the pog uh, the mafia. Shadow. I love the this. Mafia, I yes. love this. I am sorry. But listen, for those who might be listening that don't understand what pogs are, basically they were little circle cardboard discs that had yes. images printing on them. And you had to stack them in a pile, flip them over, uh-huh. and then you got to keep them if you flipped them over. And you would play exactly. for keeps. Oh, my God. I will put yes. some stuff up on our website so that those who might be a little too young to remember pogs or who didn't have yes. them but they were the silly bands i feel like of our generation yes they made no sense like they were worthless oh, yeah. but they meant but they meant everything to us as kids which is why i was like well let's monetize this like people want pogs so let's figure out a way that's fantastic <laughs> so, you know yeah and then but when my teachers caught wind of it they i mean it was obviously so ridiculous so it's like you, why would you actually suspend me but they were like you need to stop <laughs> <laughs> like you're like harassing kids uh, like, <laughs> and the pog empire came crumbling down and, and it came crumbling down very quickly that was my first business <laughs> that's fantastic but, I, but i've always had a knack for business i've always had a knack for like you know trying to involve my friends in my business as well like how can we all get money from this how can we all benefit from this like that's always been my thing so so (laughs) uh but yeah so Pog, Pog Empire aside here, uh, from those <laughs> yeah. first two ventures that you tried with the clothing boutique and the website, was there something that you learned from that or any big takeaways that helped you when you started Bunch? Um, absolutely. Um, patience mm-hmm. is the number one thing. Patience and like humility, honestly, uh, both of those things. I am... I'm a Leo, number one. And so I'm like super. I'm not good with the Zodiac. When is that? Oh, God. Yeah, we're just like the. Madonna is a Leo. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, just being really out there, really. And I'm not like a crazy attention whore. I'm not, honestly. But just being like really aggressive and um, needing to be the center of attention is kind of our thing. So, even though I don't need to be as the center of attention the same way that Madonna does, I need, you know, to feel important. which is why being an entrepreneur just like suits me very well because I need to be in control. I need to feel like I'm creating, um, for myself. Um, Nice. I think I'm Aries. What does that make me? Oh my gosh, we get along so well. Quick quick horoscope in here. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Actually, Aries and Leo is the strongest like union in the entire zodiac. Is is that wait, but wait, wait, let me make sure I'm Aries here. My birthday's April 10th. (laughs) It's coming up. Is that is that all right, I thought so. (laughs) All my all of my best friends are Aries, actually. You know, so just basically most of my best friends are Aries too. There's something about April birthdays. Yes. April, actually, Aries and Aries are always going to be friends, and Aries and Leos are always going to be friends or, like, date each other um, because we're just, like, we're leaders. Like, you, it's like a like-minded thing. Like, you attract other people who are, like, outgoing leaders, like, really nice, friendly, always want to be together. Um, I don't even remember what your original question was. Yeah, right? I know. (laughs) Uh, Patience and humility were the two things that you learned from your companies that you tried to start beforehand. Thank you. Yes. Just basically in the beginning, I was just so like, I need to make a million dollars. Like I need to be a millionaire. I don't care how I do it. And um, because I didn't 
not to say that I wasn't personally invested in everything that I tried to do, but I was trying to do it for the wrong reasons. Mm. And so when the things got tough or I was met with challenges, I didn't problem solve. I didn't try to figure out ways around it because I wasn't truly passionate about it. I was doing it for the money and like the glitz and glamour that I thought comes with these things. Um, and so when it got to bunt, like I knew that I genuinely was invested in it. I knew that I was doing it not for the money. I was doing it for the love of it. And because, you know, there was finally something clicked for me. And so I was able to exude actual patience and like understand that challenges will come. You have to problem solve. Like right. it could be the worst thing in the world and you might not know in that exact moment how to get over the hump, but like just stick with it and you'll get through it. So I've been doing brunch, like I said, it was an idea in 2011 um, and really put into motion in 2012. It's 2016 and I'm just barely you know, getting recognition and the accolades and mm. success. But like old me would have been like, oh, it's been two months. I'm not a millionaire. Right. I'm over this shit. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it takes people a while to recognize some great yeah. products that are out there. Yeah. Hey, unfortunately, absolutely. who was it? Uh, who cut off his ear? Van Gogh, right? He wasn't recognized yeah. till after his death. His paintings. Right. He died. He died broke. Unfortunately. Hopefully, we can. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to go we're that far. We're not going far. that route. <laughs> right? We're not. We're not going that route. Thanks but, yeah. to the internet. <laughs> anyway, so exactly. all right. So you went through that phase then where you were going. You said you were doing it for the wrong reasons. Is that kind of? I'm trying to figure out how you went to grad school for international affairs and education then. <sighs> I know. I was all over the place, honestly. That's another okay. thing, too, is I, I was just, in my career path, I was just chasing the wrong things. I was trying to chase security, comfort, and try and trying to force my interest into a passion. So, like, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I am, I'm still very much, like, I would love, like, in later years to have this school. You know, I think that that's something like along, like down the line, I would still love to do that. Um, but I have a lot of passions. I have a lot of interests. I'm sorry, not necessarily passions. I have a lot of interests, just like a lot of millennials. You know, that's why we're so scatterbrained. It's because, you know, we're, we're like, we have to make this career out of our passion. But I have so many different passions. How right. do I focus in on one thing? And that's how I was. I jumped from career to career, just trying things on, trying to figure out what my actual passion was when I knew what it was along. It was always writing. It was always having this magazine. I literally wrote in my journal at age 11, like, I'm going to have a magazine one day. Like, at age 11? I, I wrote, at age 11. Oh, that's I, actually, I saw that on one of, the, your, one of your previous interviews, right? Yeah. I actually had begged my mom, like, we had, like, took out the Yellow Pages, looked up independent publishers in the Yellow Pages, called them, and was offered, like, a one-issue deal to try out like this teen Vogue esque magazine. Nice. And like I yeah, it did it didn't pan out because I was eleven and like scatter paint. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> but right. I but over the course of my life, which like, is going up, I then was like chasing money, chasing security, not really like a safe job, you know, not really getting in tune with like what is it that I want and what is it that I'm good at. And it was finally, you know, it just came full circle living in New York and it just clicked for me. Like you're you're writing and blogging as a creative outlet 
if like why why is it a creative outlet instead of what you want instead of what you've always wanted to do right and you know, I, you you know, know it's, it's funny that you say that though because I'm thinking back now when I was in I, I guess I was in eighth grade I was probably around 12 years old I had won mm-hmm. a, a contest uh, some a radio came to my school and they picked two kids to co-host with uh, uh-huh. with professional radio hosts every week mm. for a show and I had gotten chosen for that and I was like that sparked my love of media I was like this is oh awesome I'm talking to so many people right now yeah yeah. And oh, I was, I guess awesome. I wanted to be the center of attention then. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> going back to the Zodiac there. All right. I think, I think yes. we're finally here to now Bunch Magazine. So now you guys, I mean, have, as you said, you're starting to get some of the recognition um, mm-hmm. that, that comes along with that hard work that you've been putting in. So mm-hmm. recently you had um, an award from Urban Outfitters and mm-hmm. was it Squarespace as well? Yes. That had yes. the startup contest. So what was that like for you? And, and first of all, how'd you find out about it, decide to enter? And, and what was going through your mind when you found out that you had won? Yeah, that was like, I I can't really think of too many other memories that top that. (laughs) Um, So I had left my job, you know, working at this charter school and I moved back to, I moved from New York back to LA and because I had made the decision, like I need to make a bunch of magazine, like what I want it to be. Like I couldn't continue to work full time and, um, and then have this, you know, side business, I needed to make it my primary career. Now in doing that, (laughs) it's hard, you know, like I left that safety nest. I didn't net, I didn't have the safety net anymore, probably, you know, Mm full-time job and salary. Um, It was really, you know, not necessarily the easiest transition and the magazine wasn't making any money. I was just like living off of my savings. And at that time, that was around the time that like my business partner was like, you know, I'm going to step down and do this whole other career change. Like, it's just, it's not really going anywhere. It's like every, yeah, you know, like everything just starts to kind of like crumble around you. You're like, oh my gosh, like, am I doing the wrong thing? This is still not selling. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I just need to go get a job. Like, yeah, you just have like those moments. And so that's where I was at. I just wasn't really at the best space emotionally or mentally with this. How how close are you at that point to shutting it down and going a different route? I wasn't, I don't know. It was weird. I, 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 at that point, I, it didn't occur to me like shut it down. Okay, but it it was more just like, am I doing the right thing? Like, should I be maybe. should I change direction and pivot or what? And at that point too, we had um, we were redesigning the magazine, um, and it was getting we had just released it in February of 2015. So I just released it, and and suddenly I also hear about this contest in February. So I heard about it because I'd set up um, Google alerts so that I would have things to tweet about. So I tweet out, um, yeah, we tweet out um, articles that have to do with like creatives and creative business. Um, So I get this, this alert about the contest that Urban Outfitters and Squarespace is hosting for um, for aspiring or startup creatives, and I just tweeted it out. Didn't even like really read the article because I was like, "Oh, this is cool. People should know about this." Oh, then God. I go, "Yeah, yeah." So then I go ahead and like read it. I thought that you could not. I thought you had to be like really like a startup. Like you just have to be an idea. And I realized, oh wait, I can apply for this. Like I have, I have this business. I can apply for it. So I did, and I felt really good about it. Honestly speaking, I felt like I can win this. Like, nice. Bunch Magazine, can, we could definitely win this. Um, but thinking that 
and actually winning two totally different things. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So what was two it, an totally email? Did they call you? How did you find out you had won? So the funny thing is I became obsessed with um, I became obsessed with the contest and I memorized those the fine print and the rules. And I knew that on, I think it was like May 8th or something, it was like a Monday. I knew on May 8th they would email the winner. So that whole entire day, and there would only be one winner. So oh, wow. I, I, the whole, yeah, so the whole entire day I'm like checking my email. Around noon I get an email that says you're a finalist. And I was like, whoa, I'm so super excited. This is very weird that I'm a finalist because I thought they said there would only be one winner. So they're like, we want you to come in, like let us know what day this week you can come in for an interview. So I'm like prepping with my boyfriend like every day. And I had the like a thought like what if, what if they're kidding? Like what if they're lying? Um but I was like no 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 let me just prepare for that would this be interview. a really cruel trick. A really cruel <laughs> trick, right? And so I'm like preparing for this interview and like sweating balls and I get there, I get to the interview, I'm you know, all ready with uh, this woman named Kim who works for Urban Outfitters. She's giving me a tour of the office and then she like opens the door and she's like like, I lied to you. Opens the door and it's like my name in balloons. Oh, <laughs> that's so like cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like confetti, like coming from the sky, like all of the staff from Urban Outfitters, like one of the LA stores is like singing and dancing. And I just like <laughs> burst into tears because I was like, you have no idea how I felt before this. Like, I just felt like so worthless. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, so they did lie to you, but in a good they way. They did lie to me in the best way possible. They were like, oh, no, you won. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, fantastic. There was no one else. <laughs> so yeah, it was great. Oh, it was wow. a great moment. Congratulations! So now that that Thank contest, you. you you they gave you twenty thousand dollars, right, for yeah. winning that contest. How did you put that to use for Bunch? So well, you know, taxes are mother. <laughs> <laughs> Especially here in New York. Oh well, yeah, you're in California, well, New York, in California. We know about those taxes. Oh yeah, you know about taxes. So taxes are our mother. So you had a dollar seventy five left, and you went right? and got a cup of coffee, but had to throw in the extra quarter. Oh my gosh! Yes, essentially. <laughs> no, um, definitely, we just used it to pay people. <laughs> because I, up until that point, everything was like pretty much people volunteering their time, whether they right. were a photographer, writer, et cetera. So we were able to pay people and we were also able to pay people for um, sales. Um, the core, the core of any magazine business, which I did not really understand when I got into this was 98% of your revenue comes from advertisements, like nothing else. Right. Um, right. In the beginning, in the, in the beginning, at least, it all comes from advertisements. The rest comes from like subscriptions and people purchasing your magazine. So I was relying solely on people purchasing the magazine, and that was like barely covering the cost of printing. So that that was no way that I could actually like have a livable business. Yeah, you're <laughs> missing two revenue streams, right? I'm there. missing two huge revenue streams. So we were actually able to like pay someone to come on board and do ad sales in the proper way. And like that's really what that helped with um was being able to give someone a salary. <laughs> that's fantastic. So then now when you look at Bunch, I mean, how would you describe mm-hmm. the the storytelling, the types of stories that you're putting in there? Obviously that you're focused on the creative types, uh, the mm-hmm. creative entrepreneur, which has become kind of one here in this. But what, how would you yeah. describe the storytelling itself? You have beautiful pictures on there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I We call ourselves, our tagline is a guide for the daring creative. 
And that really, I really sat and like tried to figure out who we were because again, like I said, we weren't selling the magazine and we didn't have this tagline and people didn't know who we were. They couldn't figure out what we were about. Um, and really at the core of it, I was like, we're telling stories of people who said, I'm scared. I'm fearful. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to try anyway. And most of those people are, you know, creatives. Um, sometimes they're not. That's why we attract other people who may not be creative. They may be, you know, a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, but they're still willing to read the magazine because we tell the story of these people who are like going after their career ambitions, no matter what. Um, and we do that through providing business tools and resources um, and also telling the story of inspiring uh, creatives who have, a, you know, against better odds said, I'm going to do this anyway. <laughs> right. And to that note, you just did a event called corporate to creative this week. I did. Yeah. yeah that That's probably the scariest jump for somebody who wants to loosen that tie at the office or oh, whatever yeah. the blouse. I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. Blouse. That's <laughs> what am I like 90 years that's old great. here. Um, I'm going on 30 people, not 90 anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, so how that event go and, and, how do you communicate to those people who are looking to make the jump and basically, you know, they're skydiving at that point and they're yeah. jumping, taking that first step and then they're skydiving. How do you encourage them to do that? And, and based on your own experience? Yeah, that's such an event. Like it was really, we were just like laughing the whole time <laughs> up on that panel. Um, we had, we had a great turnout, a lot of great and basically, and I, I felt like the, the name was a little bit misleading because I'm not anti-establishment. Like, and I do believe that there are obviously tons of corporations who are creative right. <laughs> and allow for their, you know, employees to be creative. But I, I just really like the alliteration of corporate to creative. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sometimes yeah, a good name. Don't let the facts yeah. get in the way of a good name here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, we really did just talk about like, okay, so you identify your passion project, you know, like maybe it's a side hustle that you're doing. How do you transition from, you know, being, an employee to being self-employed, whether that is you being a freelancer or being an actual entrepreneur. And, you know, the advice that was given, we had one guy um, named Andrew who runs an awesome company uh, called Costa Costa, where he takes people out on these awesome guided tours around the world, but he still has a waiter job at a restaurant, oh, wow. you know, and he, yeah. So he talked about how he balances the two um, and how grateful he is to have his full-time job while until his other company provides enough money for him to be able to leave. Then I had two other, two other people who they had one guy, he's like a lifelong freelancer and his business partner, she had a cushy job at Condé Nast and she left, she moved from New York. She moved out here to LA and is, that was really scary for her, you know, to leave her. She, she had no ambition to be an entrepreneur, but she felt like she couldn't, she couldn't, pass up the opportunity to work on this particular business that they're working on. Um, and so people in the audience were really excited and hungry and eager to learn about how to do that. And what we said at the end of the day is like, you know, have a plan, have an exit strategy, um, maybe not always focusing on having a dollar amount in your bank account, but like setting sight on a date, mm. you know, to like actually exit, like, and what is that? Because you, you, you will find that you work way harder if you are looking at like, okay, May 1st is my date. 
So you think, <laughs> you think putting a, a time frame on it rather than a yeah. monetary cap on it is, is more of a motivational tool for you? I do, because I think that personally speaking and from what I've surveyed, people, you may be like, okay, well, I need $50,000 in my bank account. Let's just say that. You'll find a lot of excuses to not get to $50,000. But if you said, <laughs> like, you will, you know, and then you're just like, oh, well, I didn't get to $50,000. So I'm just going to stay at this job. I mean, I can think but of a lot of reasons not to get to $50,000 in my oh, bank yeah. account. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm also the reverse is like, I'm not saying like, just like leave your job with a hundred dollars in your account either. But I, I do think that's like when people start focusing on a date, they will work harder. They're like, my exit date is May 1st. Like I said, it was May 1st. So I have to work harder, smarter, faster, quicker to make sure that by when May 1st comes, I'm, I'm good. I'll be okay. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just it was a really really great talk, and we have a partnership with General Assembly, and so we're basically every talk that we do um, in LA, we do again in San Francisco and New York. And oh, very like cool! So you're doing a circuit, yeah. So we're doing a circuit, exactly, exactly. Oh, please, we need to touch base next time you're here in New York, but that'll be for oh, yeah. af- after the podcast here. All right, Absolutely. but wait, now I got to put it to you here because East Coast, West yeah. Coast. You know, uh-huh. uh, you've you've lived in both. Uh, <laughs> you, uh, where's your heart? Yeah, you know what? Like, I I mean, obviously, I'm an LA girl, born and raised, like born and bred. So I can't. You're gonna go political here. on me. You're gonna go I political am. on me, and that's no, not you. No, I know it's not me. No. Okay, so I said that to say that. Had you asked me this question? like a year ago I would have said New York okay. like hands down I would have said New York I New York was my dream to go to when I applied to grad school I only applied to two schools Columbia and the new school because okay. um, I knew I needed to be in New York City and I got waitlisted at Columbia so <laughs> there's that oh well um, so oh well um, and I just I owe I owe almost everything that I am today like to living in New York Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Like, I just don't think that I would have started Bunch Magazine and I, if I didn't live in New York. I don't think I would have the fearlessness that I have now um, if I didn't live in New York. I, I, I just owe so much of myself to New York. That being said, um, and I came back to L.A. kicking and screaming, and the only way reason why I did is <laughs> oh, it's I did. so sunny here. Oh, I know. Oh, you know, you know what, though? The weather never bothered me. Okay. I know that that sounds so crazy, but, like, when people would complain about New York weather and how they just have to leave, I would kind of, like, chime in, like, yeah, it's awful. But really, I didn't care. Like, I didn't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> I know. I love I, that. I love that because I, that's one of the things I love most are the different seasons that we have over here. Yeah. None of them are too long, and New Yorkers will complain about anything. So exactly. there you go. I never – I don't care. Like, I knew that moving there, yes, there's going to be snow, so I don't know why it's shocking. Every time it snows and there's, like, two feet of it, like, it's – I don't get it. Um, and for me, too, New, like, L.A. weather, they say that we have perfect weather, but I don't think that it being, like, 97 degrees 10 months out of the year is perfect weather. <laughs> like, I agree with you day. on that one there. You know, it's funny, though. We just had, we just had a, a guest on our podcast previously who uh, is a photographer for NBC here in New York, and he had done a mm-hmm. story about – the weather and they interviewed these people in the winter time and then went back uh-huh. to the same spots in the summertime and in the winter they were complaining it was too cold <laughs> and they went to the same person in the summertime and they were complaining that it was too hot so it's like you know some people you're just never gonna make happy 
you're never going to make them happy. But yeah, I love New York. No, I really do. But LA, the reason I came back to LA because I, uh, my boyfriend, my current boyfriend, we've been dating for like four and a half years. And the first uh, three years, what? How long have we been here? Uh, the first like two and a half, three years were long distance. So I like knew that I was leaving my job to focus on Bunch Magazine. I couldn't live anywhere. So it's like, I'll just move back to LA. Um, and now that I'm here, though, like part of the reason why I left LA was because I didn't feel like there was a lot of diversity in terms of industries. Like everyone in LA is like clamoring to be a part of Hollywood. Interesting. So it's a one industry town, you know, like you come here to be a part of Hollywood and you can't escape it. If you're a doctor, you're trying to be like Dr. Oz. If you're like a lawyer, you want to be Johnny Cochran. Right. Um, but, but yeah, but now that I'm back, now that I'm here in LA, I'm, I've just, a whole new world just opened up to me. A lot of New Yorkers are, are here now. Right. So I love LA. Like, I think that there's now this like awesome creative community and a lot more diversity amongst like the different, like what people are doing. All right, fine. Um, but it took New Yorkers to make it great. But it took New Yorkers <laughs> to make it great. Damn it. A, li- a little New York attitude. Hey, every, everybody started, well, most people started East and went West anyway when it there came to that. So a long time ago. All right. So, so now in, in a day-to-day basis, when you're working at Bunch, are there any tools that you really like to use that have been particularly helpful? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I just got hipped to Streak. Streak. Uh, I'm not familiar. Yeah, S-T-R-E-A-K. It's a plug-in or email tool. Is that me? No, that's me. I apologize. Okay. No, 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 no no worries. I was just like, oh, no, am I? Is it me? Um, Streak is a great tool. It's for your email. It's a plug-in, and it, like, aggregates your email inbox. So you you get a like sales and it's not a folder it's like literally like a colorful tab at the top that like breaks down breaks your emails um into separate categories so i can automatically like look at my email and say hey this is a sales email hey this is a an interview email or you know photo shoot email or something like that and it just has like changed my world nice so so (laughs) you basically you would take take an email that you got from somebody, put it into one of your categories and then it would remember it in that category. Yes. But it's like, you can visually see it's like not even, I don't know how to, I feel really bad explaining things, Um, but it's not just like another folder where, you know, that's kind of like invisible to you. That's off to the side. It's like when you're looking at your email inbox, it's color coded so that you know exactly like what the emails are. And do you Um, use that with email providers or does it forward your emails from your email provider to that? It's just your Gmail. So okay. as soon as you open up your Gmail account, it's like just kind of stratified by these categories. Beautiful. Um, it's great. And then we use Asana, um, A-S-A-N-A. And that's a great like management tool for teamwork because uh, we just moved into an office space and we were all working remotely. Um, and so, you know, it's hard to remember like, oh, what did this person email me or what is the deadline for this? But you could go into Asana and it basically sends you calendar reminders like, hey, you're supposed to design this cover by tomorrow. Um, you need to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. So, so kind of just, a, just an advanced things. calendar feature on that one with more people. Yeah, exactly, Got exactly. It. Got it. Um, in terms of your learning experience, is there one thing mm-hmm. along the way that, that has stuck out um, that was a, a critical piece of inspiration or innovation for you that somebody shared along the way? 
Um, yeah, I feel like I get so many great sound bites and quotes from people. Mm. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of like probably what's the most standout one. Sound bites. I'm, I'm always looking for sound bites during my, my nine to five in my day job yeah. as a reporter. <laughs> I'm always looking for those sound bites. <laughs> There are two things that stick out to me. One comes from one of my really close friends, Christina, and she said, make every decision like you have a million dollars in your account, which, you know, can be very difficult when you're quite literally talking about money right. <laughs> and you don't, or if you don't have any money, you know, um, it can be hard. But the whole point really is like, don't make decisions out of desperation or from a place of scarcity, hmm. you know, because you're always going to make the wrong decision. Like if you're just like scrambling and scared and, you know, you're not going to make the best decision for yourself. So and that, that rule doesn't apply in Vegas, by the way. For those no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it does not. Um, and then the other one, because I think for a lot of creatives, entrepreneurs, freelancers, um, anyone who is like doing multiple jobs at once, or if there's, not even that, if there's anyone who is like working from home or working for yourself, like the first couple of years, first year, if you're lucky. Um, can be really emotionally taxing because suddenly you're working for yourself, you're setting your own hours and you're very tempted to work like 14 hours a day, seven days a week, especially mm -hmm. if you work from home, you know, and right. you get overwhelmed, you get burnt out, you get scared and nervous and feel anxiety. If you like enjoy yourself and go to the movies. Um, but I remember one guy, I can't remember who he was. He said to me, Hey, look, if your business can fail because you take like an afternoon off and like enjoy yourself and relax and go get a massage, you're in the wrong business. Right. Like you've already failed. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that changed everything for me. So now I have like, I set office hours. I like try my best not to like answer emails you know, at like 10 PM. Sometimes it's impossible. It's inevitable. Um, or if I do, I'm uncomfortable. I make that decision, you know, to work late, but I'm, I'm also not going to beat myself up because I took the weekend off to just enjoy myself. So those are the two biggest pieces of business advice that has just like reshaped how I approach anything that I do. You know, isn't it amazing that there's always, there always seems like a time and place where you're struggling for motivation or feeling a little uh -huh. burnt out. And then whether it's somebody just saying, Hey, I just saw that work piece of work that you did and it was really great or a, a new you know, client or whatever the case might be that just gets you rejuvenated. And they're crumbs. They're yeah. literally crumbs, but that's all yes. the entrepreneur in you is looking for is that little validation. And then you can get right back on it. Put that fuel Absolutely. in your belly. <laughs> and it, exactly. And it always comes when you just need to hear it. And they don't even know the impact that it's had on you, but you're just like crying on the inside from happiness yep. because they just like saved your life. Like this man just basically told me like, it's okay. Like, you know, he gave me permission to go to the movies and I just was like bawling. So if you're <laughs> listening like, out there and you thought yeah. something good about a friend's work, let them know. Yes. You don't know how much know. that means. I tell my wife all the time, I'm say, sometimes you don't realize how much you mean to other mm -hmm. people. And it's exactly. really, it, it's really uh, refreshing, I guess, when you get yes. that uplifting for sure. Um, okay, so what's next for Bunch? I'm checking out the the website, and I saw that you guys have your own podcast launching soon. Yes, you want to talk do. a little bit we, about that? I do. It's um, it's called On the Edge. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and yeah, it's called On the Edge, and the reason for that is because of situations that were similar to mine right before I won the 
$20,000 from Urban and Squarespace, um, basically talking to entrepreneurs, calling it kind of like an AA session for entrepreneurs <laughs> yep. or confessional where just sharing stories about like when were they at their lowest point and how are they they getting over it like how did they get over it like how did they talk themselves off the ledge and, and to, to continue on because there's that there's always that moment where you're like why am i doing this? is this worth it like yeah. i'm about to have a heart attack or give myself a stroke um is this really worth it and you're like right about to throw in the towel and now you're back like something happens to keep you going um so we're sharing those stories and i'm really excited about it i think that people really you know be encouraged and inspired by it so yeah the podcast will be coming out um at the top of april um okay and we're, we're publishing more frequently. So last year we published four times. This year we're publishing every other month, um, which is only a, which is only two more issues um, a year. But right. anyone who knows about independent publishing knows that like it's hard enough to get like one issue out a year. So yeah, for sure, so, especially when just, you're organizing the contributors, the photographers, uh, and everything that you guys have got going on. Exactly, uh, and then just doing more offline events like. We're really excited. We get great turnouts um, everywhere we go. I hope that we can just continue to make it bigger and, uh, and and visit more cities. We keep hearing, like, when are you coming to Texas? When are you coming to Atlanta? When are you coming to Chicago? And it's like, uh, when I have more money to travel there? <laughs> well, hey, when do you guys want to bring me there? Yeah, exactly. When do you want to bring me there? You can figure that out. I'll be there. So, uh, so yeah, those are three big our three big focuses are just, you know, coming out more frequently, the podcast and events. That's fantastic. And then we always ask everybody this because the show was kind of created to try and figure out the broadcasting industry or the media industry a little bit here yeah. and, and where it's going in the future. So, I mean, you kind of went with a throwback vision here of, yeah. of having print to give you weight and validity uh, right. Where do you see the next five years for uh, for a bunch and, and your competition and, and your industry? Um, I think that the way that the magazine industry has gone on in particular is really like this luxury market. Like it's a luxury, it's a luxury now, you know, like that's why people are willing to pay $18, $20 for um, a copy of a magazine. So I think that that trend will probably stay for a little while longer. And I don't know where that will go exactly in five years. But I, I just continue to see more and more people actually uh, adding a print magazine to their portfolio of products. You know, if they are a digital company, they're like, they're going that way. So it'll be interesting to see if like the market just gets flooded and people are over it <laughs> or if the, it'll just become a mainstay. Um, and then as far as Bunch is concerned, I think we're going the opposite way of just becoming more and more digital but all and adding more and more online experiences and tools and resources to our um, to our portfolio because we've kind of gotten that print medium down like and that's what's given us like you said the legitimacy and the credit so it'll be exciting to see it's like this like you know there's room for everyone it's, it feels like there's room for everyone and everything um, you, you know when you have say to that adapt. 
Yeah, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but yeah, when, no, no, I'm done. <laughs> when you when you say that with the magazines and so many people coming out with their own version, I mean, I think of what Red Bull has become from a drink to a lifestyle yeah. company. I mean, they've got their own over the top network now. If you look at Red yeah. Bull TV or if you go online to Red Bull TV, they've got the Red Bulletin, which is their magazine. And mm-hmm. I think, especially with what you're doing and, and magazines like this, if you're filling a niche, the people mm-hmm. the people who are out there will find you because they are yeah. in that niche. And and then you just got to put out the quality product to uh, right. overcome the competition there. Um, what about when it comes to social media for you? I mean, obviously, you're really mm-hmm. active on it now. I, I've seen your, your <laughs> uh, Pinterest and your Instagram. Um, but for you personally and for you on the business side of social media, mm-hmm. Um, where do I, how does it impact us or and how, what, how do you sorry. use it effect, effectively, oh. I guess, when it comes to the business, where do you see that? Yeah. Going? Do you think it's going to continue oh, to grow God. or are we going to recede from the social media a little bit? Um, it's, that is such an awesome question to ask. I love social media. Instagram changed everything for us. Um, we had, we went from adding like 10 people a day to adding like a hundred people a day. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And it grew really, really quickly just because I, I really focused on strategy more. Um, so we're just, we're growing, growing, growing. And, um, most people say that they, they find us through Instagram and it's helped with our sales. It's just been such a useful tool. Um, and which is, the, which is the same of a lot of businesses, which is why there's so much focus on Instagram right now. Like how can I learn about Instagram? People are selling courses and, you know, workshops and all of this focus on Instagram. That being said, I now am starting to see people getting tired of talking about it. Right. Cause <laughs> you know, we burn like, out. We go burnout. from one to the next out. thing so quickly. So quickly. So like now it's, Snapchat and like, how can we, um, you know, be a bigger brand on Snapchat, but Snapchat is smart. Like they're, they're going, they're, they're very selective about who they allow to have those channels on Snapchat. Um, you know, if they don't like you, you're, you get, you're become at risk of being kicked off. Um, they're really testing that whole market out. So I'm curious to see. And the other thing too, that I know from everybody in the tech world is they're just like, the focus is on, is on video. Like video, video, video. You got to get a video out. Like forget photos. It's all about video. Content. So it's all about video content. Exactly. So like even with me, what, interestingly enough, when I first did launch Bunch Magazine, I wanted to be like a big part of it. It was just like limited resources. So I couldn't really get video out the way that I wanted to. But now we're in a position where we can push out way more video. Um, so I'm excited to see how that impacts us as well. Like if, people would just kind of like gravitate towards the video content that we put out and like not care about the magazine at all. Interesting. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. So you're always adapting and always evolving as well. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah, think it's so survive. interesting that you started with, you know, an old school method and have been uh-huh. taking that to the digital side. And, and still though, I think that'll always be there as your core, especially. Uh, I do. Yeah. Because the, the passion that, that's there definitely comes through. So, uh, all right. I want to end here, Lizzie, because, uh, you know, I thank yeah. you for your time here on a, on a oh Saturday. You know, we said we can't work all the weekends because you don't want to get <laughs> too burned out here. So where can people find you on all that social media when they want to go check out the Instagram account or check out the website? 
Awesome. We're at bunchmag.com. That's our website. Um, our Facebook and Twitter is at bunchmag. And our Instagram is at Bunch Magazine, which is irritating. Definitely need to, <laughs> <laughs> but like somebody else owned it before we did, so we had to we had to adapt with uh, our Instagram. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to like buy that account or something. But yes, you can find us. Um, you can find us there. So <laughs> excellent, Lizzie. Thank you so much for your time thank today. You. Again, check it out, bunchmag.com. We'll put all that information on our website as well, so you can awesome. ch- catch that over at Bib Media TV. Lizzie, thank you so much for your time today really appreciate it thank you this was so much fun i really love the questions thank you no problem talk to you soon okay bye oh hey you're still listening that's good since you're here we figured that you might have liked the conversation that we had with lizzie so i want to remind you that you can head over to bibmedia.tv that's b-i-b for born in brooklyn media.tv for all of the show notes. There you'll find links to some of the things that Lizzie was talking about here in the podcast, including some of the magazines that she loves to read and some links to Bunch Magazine. So hopefully you can head on over there and check it out. And don't forget, if you have any production or training needs when it comes to the media, reach on out to us at Bib Media, born in Brooklyn, believe the hype. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Joe Masiri. Have a great one.